Welcome back to the Roster Watch Podcast. This is Alex Dunlap. My guest today is Brad Evans. You probably know Brad Evans very well from his work at Yahoo Fantasy Sports. He's an all-around fantasy football, gambling, NCAA bracket pool, etc. Complete degenerate. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Yahoo Noise to get all of his uh, outstanding takes through the fantasy football season. And you can hear his podcast, The Fantasy Record with Brandon Funston uh, across all podcast platforms. Mobilize Unite. Go subscribe to that uh, Fantasy Record podcast with our friend Brad Evans. Uh, he also has his own TV show now, the uh, the Fantasy Football Hour TV show. that This year will be coming to 180 million households across a ton of different regional providers. So you're going to be seeing this guy a lot this coming fall as he has big things planned. He was nice enough during this very busy month to come and join us on the podcast where we talked about a whole host of fantasy football related topics. If you want more of the Roster Watch podcast with me, Byron Lambert, the Trash Man, uh, exclusive content from our training camp tour, as well as access to all of our award-winning tools like the epic draft cheat sheet, uh, the whole draft kit, the offensive line rankings, the strength of schedule tools, the cumulative top 55 ADP projected wide receiver versus cornerback matchups, etc. for your draft. And then through the whole entire season, the trade cast, uh, the 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 waiver wire cheat sheet the waiver wire podcast all the dfs podcasts the dfs optimizers all that stuff if you like preseason dfs we even have that going on right now all at rosterwatch.com you can get it and you can support the podcast by getting a pro membership at rosterwatch.com because it is our pro members it is roster watch nation who makes all of this possible and now on to my conversation with the man brad evans this is royce freeman and you're listening to roster watch Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it coming in. We have him here on the podcast, a big fish for us to reel in. It actually took Byron and I kind of tag team in this one. He is Brad Evans of Yahoo. You heard it in the intro. He's going to be coming into the eyeballs and earbuds of 110 million households starting on uh, starting here at the end of August with his new TV show. Brad Evans, what the hell's going on, brother? Not a mucho, man. Uh, I'm getting uh, all these uh, tasty little steaks that I'm feeding to the trolls right now in my feed uh, at Yahoo Noise on Twitter in regards to theoretic. As you know, I am probably the biggest Royce Freeman apologist on the planet, at least known from you know my uh, <laughs> collection of information. So people are like, oh, this destroys Royce's value, doesn't it? Yeah, because Theo Riddick and Royce Freeman are very similar players. <laughs> I think I think Theo Riddick literally, if, if if you stood Theo Riddick up next to Royce Freeman, having stood next to both those guys, I think I think Royce Freeman would make Theo Riddick look like a small child. They, they they are nothing close to one another physically. No, it's 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 twins, right? It's like Derek Henry and <laughs> yeah. Dion Lewis. That's right. You know, we, That's all right. the pictures that were circulating around <laughs> that. I yeah. mean, they are so far from comparable in what they bring to the table. And I keep trying to tell people this. If anything, this is probably more of a knock on Philip Lindsay 
who a lot of people are saying, oh, well, his uh, pass catching role is going to really expand this season. Uh, they're going to try to get him in space. And I think the Broncos are truly going to do that. But now with the Riddick in the fold, in the mix, you know, maybe Philip Lindsay doesn't catch 50 balls. Maybe it's more like 35 to 40. Or it could just mean that Devontae Booker's getting shipped, shipped the hell out of there. Oh, that's a guarantee. Yeah, that is a thank you, Jesus, for that. And I think <laughs> I live in Denver, and I, I'm not a Broncos fan. I'm a Bears guy, but I think every person uh, that uh, dons the orange and blue here in the Mile High City will applaud when Theo Riddick officially signs on the dotted line, and Booker is no longer part of this franchise. Do you remember, like you're out there in the you're out there in probably Pac-12 country where you get to see some of these late night football games? It, like you probably watched a lot of Royce Freeman in 2015 and 2016. Yep. yep. Like why do why do people think that he can't catch? I, I mean, uh, he can, because they're like, ignorant. He can, he, I mean, he can catch, dude. He's got great hands. Yeah, he had 79 receptions, I believe, in his four-year career at Oregon, and uh, he had an eight-catch game in Week 17 last year, which everybody forgot about because it was Week 17, and nobody right. gave you know two craps about the Denver Broncos. But yeah, Royce, and that's part of his game that he has really tried to uh, you know elevate this off-season. And I even saw in the first practice they had at Mile High Stadium about a week ago. Um, it was 11 on 11 drill and he ran, he was lined up outside. He ran a post route in the end zone and, and Joe Flacco threw a strike at him right in the numbers for six. I mean, it was against Chris, uh, Chris Harris, no less. So, I mean, this is a guy that could definitely, you know, reel in any of those passes. So, you know, and, and from the beat writers and what the, the information I've been collecting, um, right now it's, it's really one, a one B across all parts, all, you know, deployments within this offensive scheme though, again, theoretic caps probably the ceiling for Lindsay and Freeman in terms of receptions. Right. Uh, and, and that was my main, you know, my main takeaway is the first takeaway is Devonte Booker's gone. The second is, well, this kind of stinks a little bit because if we were hoping for, you know, maybe a, you know, an extra, you know, an, an extra target and a half, maybe two targets a game for a guy like Royce Freeman, who I feel like has been underutilized as a receiving weapon thus far, that possibly this is the, this theoretic stuff. And do, do you know what was crazy too about this theoretic stuff? And I, and I know we were joking before we came on. We we'll, we'll just do we'll just we'll just do the whole theoretic pod. I certainly don't want to do that. But but what what surprises me about this is that the reporting that came out said the Saints were after him too. Why would the Saints be yeah. after theoretic? I don't know. Just that bad. Um, you know, just another yeah. chess piece that you can move around and try to throw yes. defenses off and, and yeah. spread you know, packages and formations. You know, I, I could get, I could see, uh, you know, uh, an Alvin Kamara, uh, and Latavius Murray being on the same, uh, you know, in the same package and the same deployment as a theoretic, you know, all three running backs could be on the field at the same time, you know, just given their versatility. So I, I think it's just one of those things where it, it's just a gamesmanship in a way of, Hey, here's how we can maximize creativity in this, uh, you know, spread age of the NFL where now the air raid is taking over everywhere. So maybe we should have a component of that in our offensive playbook and scheme overall. So that's basically it, but whatever, man, give me Royce Freeman in round eight all day long. You can have Philip Lindsay at his inflated round four price point. And theoretic again, is just capping guys. He's not really playing a major part in swing. Either one of those cats value. Philip Lindsay went in the, were you at the FSGA? I don't think I saw you there, but were you no, there? I was not. I, I usually take the summers off. Plus it's always in New York city. And the right. one thing, you know, I love New York certain times of the year, but the summer is not one of them because, it like uh, trash. my, <laughs> Oh yeah. The old trash. factory system. Yeah. I mean, every, <laughs> it smells like there's just, yeah. there's just death everywhere. There's yeah. death everywhere. It's so rancid. So disgusting. I'm like, nah, I'm good.
Yeah, I, I I wish I could make it to that winter one, man. But it's like every year they seem to do it every year during the Senior Bowl. So the so the summer is the only time we can we can make it. Uh, Royce Freeman going at number forty as far as running backs, and then up at you know you, you said at, at the at the FSGA, you know, I was on I was on the Sirius show doing a, a live. Um, I'm, you know, I guess covering the experts draft up there. Well, in a, in, a, in an expert, I, I, I forget who it was because I, I called him out then to like to his face, like he didn't have any problem with it. But he took Philip Lindsay at like the two spot in the second round. I like, see. There, and that's that's madness. There that's are people pure who just, madness. Yeah, we look at Royce Freeman with an ADP here here at forty, just completely completely different uh, range. And if it's going to be a one A one B, it's like I have absolutely zero doubt where the value lies in that particular dichotomy. Um, uh, going at number thirty three and seeing his ADP sort of begin to fall after it soared following the NFL draft is Miles Sanders. You know, in best ball, he jumped up. 75 80 spots within the blink of an eye um after he was drafted by or so early by by philadelphia but since he's miles sanders has been injured uh reports out of camp have been definitely that he's kind of playing second fiddle at least to start to jordan howard we know that doug peterson has a horrible history of these running back committees um one thing that you might have liked about Sanders coming in is that, you know, Jordan Howard couldn't catch a goddamn cold his whole time in Colorado. <laughs> Miles Sanders actually looks really good, you know, as, at, like as far as a prospect. Um, they're, in his, they're in his final year at Penn State catching the football, but now they bring back Darren Sproles. You just – are you in on Miles Sanders, man? Some people are acting like they're comfortable with him. And let's just say it, uh, Yahoo, I believe, at, last year changed to the – default setting of half point PPR. So maybe we could just talk about half point PPR here in that kind of league. Are you comfortable with, with, uh, with him anywhere near sort of a running back two ish kind of play, because that's sort of where you have to take him. If you're going to have to take him in round five, maybe he could be your running back two, maybe be your running back three at that point. But I'm seeing a lot of people saying they're comfortable depending on Miles Sanders as, as, as their running back two right out of the gates. Yeah, I was in the hashtag Razbol draft, uh, which is a high stakes draft, full point PPR, 12 teams. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be gifted the number one overall pick. Uh, and in round five, uh, actually it was round four, I believe, uh, Miles Sanders went one pick ahead of David Montgomery. I don't get it. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't, I don't either. I, look, I, it's, it's going to be a turnstile backfield. We know the coaching tendencies of Doug Peterson, and it is full-blown RBBC. And when you hear that phrase, you should shiver in your sneakers uh, because it it is one of the more frightening phrases that just triggers all kinds of fears in the fantasy community. I like Sanders' skill set. Uh, but you know, having that time off with a hamstring injury, he's been banged up in training camp so far. Uh, he's got to stay healthy, but he got Jordan Howard there. You know, they, they traded uh, for him, uh, acquiring him from Chicago. Howard's looked pretty good. He's been leading the way, uh, on a lot of the first team reps. And I think he's going to, you know, dominate uh, most of the goal line action. And he's going to get a ton of work. Cause I think that team's going to live in the red zone for much of the year. But if you're drafting Sanders in the fifth round, I just don't see you profiting, uh, particularly with the first half of the regular season. I, you know, I've seen some best balls as ADP around RB 35, RB 37. To me, that's more palatable because I think early in the season, you're going to get him maybe nine to 11 touches per game. They're going to ease him in. And then maybe by mid year, if everything goes to plan, Sanders is a guy that could uh, command upwards of 13 to 14 touches per game. But I think that's it. I think that's the Zenith for him this year. 
And uh, it's just going to be tough. Uh, you know, a lot of people are impatient. You're going to have to play the patient's game uh, if you're going to, you know, again, turn a profit on Sanders if you're investing anywhere as an RB2 or in round five. And then the, that's, the, that's the thing, too, Brad. It's like a lot of things, a lot of times people don't realize that, you know, have, I mean, that bench spot's important, man, especially through the first couple of weeks when you're trying to just you're trying to burn and turn and you know make sure that you get uh, all those high value assets on there off the waiver wire that are just coming to light, you know, there through the first couple of weeks. Those are the most valuable weeks on on waivers. You you, you got to have those spots. If you're sitting here holding a Kareem Hunt, you're not going to get till week ten, or a Miles Sanders who you you know might not be coming on until down the stretch. You could end up getting frustrated with those guys and you know end up end up dropping them and then you know in the fantasy football playoffs have your league mate that's going and pick them up and been going yep. to be able to use them for free against you so um yeah I, uh, let me ask you this you, you mentioned your high stakes rasbull draft you said you were gifted the first pick how did you uh who did you go with in, in ppr there at the first spot and then what was what did it look like at the turn at at the at the two three turn uh, it's a great question. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, this is the ultimate hashtag team Revos move by me. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I was in another high stakes draft. I've got a lot of exposure already to Saquon Barkley. So I wanted to diversify the portfolio. Now you could say there's an argument there for Christian McCaffrey against full point PPR or Alvin Kamara even. Uh, I went Zeke and I said, screw it. Uh, because I, I understand that Zeke is going to be the heart and soul. Like he was last year. Uh, really the engine that pumps the pistons for this Dallas Cowboys team, which is built to win. They're a true blue contender in the NFC uh, to represent in the Super Bowl this year in Miami. Uh, and they're going to need Zeke to run the offense through them. And I know what people are saying. Well, well you running backs, a replaceable position. Look who they got. It's what it's a uh, Pollard Pollard, Alfred and Morris, Alfred and Mike Weber. Morris. Yeah. yeah. And Mike Weber, give me a damn break. You know, they <laughs> yeah. need Zeke Elliott. They need yeah. him getting 25 touches per game in order to make sure that Dak is reaching, reaching peach, uh, peak efficiency uh, through the air. And the numbers bear that out. I mean, Dak's a uh, completion percentage. I think it's like a f- full 6% drop off mm-hmm. without Zeke uh, when he's on the field by comparison and his uh, touchdown reception splits are much better when Zeke is around uh, just because he lightens up defensive backfields and makes things more exploitable. So uh, I think, you know, this is just gamesmanship by the both sides, you know, Zeke's down there hanging out uh, in Cabo, slamming tequila, running on the beach, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hopefully getting himself into shape. Um, you know, he's, we've been down this road before Jerry Jones playing hardball. They'll reach a compromise sooner rather than later. Uh, Cause Jerry knows that this team is, is built to contend and they are going to need Zeke to be the key cog to really propel them forward. So I went Elliott, uh, number one overall. And here's what was also fascinating. And again, this is the ultimate hashtag team Wavos draft. I took Melvin Gordon at 24. Well, that, I mean, that's around where you start thinking. Uh, I've seen him in some of these simulations begin to start falling to the end of the second round. That was something that I wanted to ask you about. So, uh, I mean, what was your, what was your uh, internal kind of dialogue there? Just, I mean, if I get this guy at the end, of, if he comes back, you know, I, I get this guy at the very end of the second round where I'm basically picking up what eight, I mean, 18 spots of value. He was going at 1.06. So you're yep. getting him to pick 24. And so if he, if he resigns, it's fine. And then honestly, man, I mean, in my Scott Fishbowl draft, I took him, um, 
while the draft was still going on, it was announced that he was holding out, right? So I didn't know at the beginning of the draft that he was going to hold out. Right when it was announced, I snapped, picked up. Uh, thank- thankfully, I was on the clock when I woke up that morning with the news. I snapped, picked up Austin Eckler. So um, the my my biggest hope in that league is that Melvin Gordon gets traded to the Bucks. <laughs> I get to keep Eckler yeah. on the Chargers. But but I I, I honestly think it's it, it isn't like Melvin Gordon's not going to be playing somewhere next year. He's, he's going to be playing somewhere. Well, and, and in the big news, Josina Anderson of ESPN reporting today that uh, his agent demanded a trade last week. So, I mean, that's how far it's come, right? Is it a bridge too far right now? Um, you know, that's to be determined. I was talking to Charles Robinson, exchanging uh, texts with him. Charles, of course, my esteemed colleague at Yahoo Sports, who's been all over this Melvin Gordon situation, among others, uh, throughout the NFL. Hope you guys follow his stuff on Twitter. Absolutely. And I asked Charles. I asked Charles straight up. I'm like, look, man, I'm in this high stakes draft. Gordon's probably going to fall to me to 24. I mean, do you think this is going to get done? Give me a percentage chance. He didn't give me exact percentage chance. He goes, bro, they're dug in, you know, it's 10 million or nothing. And my whole perspective is, and my thought process was going into that pick. Gordon has no leverage, none, zero. So he either gets traded and maybe it's a Tampa. I think Houston would be a great destination as well. Uh, or he caves and I don't see, and I've interviewed Melvin Gordon a couple of times. I've hung out with a guy. He just doesn't seem like a guy who would be selfish. And you might say to yourself, well, he's trying to get paid. He is. And I, I think he's got every right to make an argument about it, but this team has a very, very tight window to compete in the AFC knowing Phillip rivers age and they're constructed a win now. And I think Eckler and, and Justin Jackson are a step down. So 10 million a year, if you know, that's the compromise, maybe they raise a little bit of the, you know, the guarantees with it, a deal. I think a deal's got to get done at some point. And it's got to take Gordon's team and Gordon himself to fold his hand and say, you know what, I'm going to take this, uh, and, and try back out there and try to get the deal done. So that's, 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 I have a lot to say about what you just said. So, all right. So with, with, with Melvin Gordon, I've been around him too. We've, we've met him too, gotten the chance to, gotten the chance to uh, interview him and just be around him at uh, Chargers camp, both his rookie year and his second year. I, I think the guy personally is awesome. I agree with what you said, what, what yep. you say that I don't think he's got one of the, you know, he's, he's, he's not one of these assholes. that's you know, just whole, you know, I think he I think he thinks he deserves to be paid for one. What I do, what I think though is like I agree with you. I don't think he's a selfish guy. I I've always thought and I've heard these Melvin Gordon sort of uh audio clips before and uh, writing from different interviews before that he's whenever I think he was asked about like Le'Veon Bell or something last year it was it was something something where he was asked about a running back holdout and he said something along the lines of like look we need to do that for these kids that in the future to you know make sure that we you know fortify the value of what it is that we do in this league we have a lower shelf life you know we get the ball more time you know we, we touch the ball more times than any other player than the quarterback blah 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 and so I think he might be thinking about it not only as from his own pocketbook, which of course is the number one thing for him, but also thinking that he might be doing something, you know, appropriate hist- historically, I guess. And my, my other thing is what you say about Telesco just rings so true because yeah. he is, he like, we were, were at the USC pro day for, uh, was no, it was the Darnold pro day and, and the Ronald Jones and uh, the, the, 
Charger scouts that were there, one of their uh, uh, somebody somebody high up with within the scouting department of the Chargers told Byron he was like he's 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 like our front office is not going to get held over a barrel by Melvin Gordon. Period. <laughs> it isn't it isn't going to happen because they were there talking about like what do you think about Ronald Jones? Blah blah blah. Like you guys looking at running backs, and they said that they were, and they ended up going running back that year. They didn't go Ronald Jones, but um. That would, the point of the conversation was we're not gonna we're not gonna be held hostage to contract negotiations by Melvin Gordon. That has been something that they've foreseen for a long time. So when it happened, it was something that you know they've been prepared for. And I'm absolutely positive that you're dead on in saying that. And I and and if Charles Robinson's saying it, that dude's plugged in, man. If like ten million and ten million dollars, dude, Brad, what is that? And wouldn't that be like the fourth? Maybe the fifth highest paid running back in the league. Isn't that probably about what Melvin yeah. Gordon deserves? He doesn't deserve to be the highest paid runner in the league. No, I mean, no. I mean, he should be. If you're top five and you're Melvin Gordon, uh, I think that's well deserved. <laughs> I think that's spot on. So I, I just think the problem here is everybody saw what Le'Veon Bell did and the tactic that he pulled. Now, Le'Veon had a deeper uh, disdain toward his organization because of all the franchise tags, right? right? And some of the other stuff that was exchanged behind the scenes. I think it's different with Gordon. I think it's more cordial. I mean, Gordon himself even said early in this process, I want to be a, uh, a LA charger. I want to remain with this franchise. Uh, you know, Philip Rivers is talked him up and he's like, yeah, we, we we're going to welcome back. Hopefully they can figure this out. I just, I just don't think it's, it's too far down the road. It's irreparable, you know? And I thought the situation with Le'Veon, it was because Le'Veon's like, dude, I'm going down to South beach. I'm going to make some shitty rap albums. I'm going to drive around <laughs> on jet skis. I'm going to bed two women at a time. I don't yeah. care if they take my jewels and my money, yeah. you know, it's just, <laughs> that's Le'Veon. And, and yeah. I think though that set a precedent and a lot of these guys want to get paid uh, Gordon and Zeke are right there and, and they feel in a similar conversation, they have planted a stake in the ground and now it's, it's a game of chicken. You know, who's yeah. going to blink first. And for me, again, it's a different situation with Zeke because he does have leverage, uh, knowing that Jerry Jones is like, well, damn, we got to win now. Uh, I need this guy. I am going to pay him. And usually Jerry folds in all these types of situations, but you're right about Telesco, man. He's stubborn as a mule. Uh, he has said his piece and it's going to be up to Gordon to decide whether or not he is going to have this come to Jesus moment and come crawling back to this franchise or he's going to get traded. And I don't think the Chargers are going to w- be willing to deal him anywhere unless it's a sweetheart transaction to make. The 2019 Roster Watch Cheat Sheet is available now at rosterwatch.com. The revolutionary cheat sheet to change fantasy football forever is back only at rosterwatch.com. Winning fantasy football players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. All you have to do is follow the three simple rules. That's it, three rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet, an expert quality draft is guaranteed. It's magical, it's mystical, it's mythical. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet only at rosterwatch.com. Yeah, and, you, you, and so you say that this is a team team huevos draft. It seems like it's a yeah, team holdout, right. a, a, a team holdout draft. Who did you go with with that first pick in the third? 
Uh, I took T.Y. Hilton. Very safe. You got to play three wide receivers. Uh, I love T.Y. Um, I end up getting Andrew Luck later because it's six points per passing touchdown. I got Luck in round seven. So I got that stack with those two guys, which I absolutely adore because I think the Colts are true blue contenders to win the whole enchilada this year. Uh, and then after T.Y. and he fell to me in round four was Derrick Henry. Well, it, it, and that's that's what continues happening. It, it's like I'd like to talk to you about that. But before we do, um, do you? Whenever you took T. Y. Hilton, were the guy like were Mike Evans and Amari Cooper available? Were did, were you faced with that decision, or were those guys both off the board? Uh, I believe Evans was gone. Cooper was there. Uh, but I, I prefer the, cons- well, and that's the thing. There's not a whole lot of difference between Hilton and Cooper in terms of overall consistency. Cause Cooper you already had Zeke. Game. You already had Zeke. You don't want to already had Zeke. Yeah. Do I yeah. want to put all my eggs in that basket? Yeah, yeah. No. And, and I, I had visions of grandeur usually maybe influenced by tequila, but I had visions <laughs> of acquiring Andrew Luck later on in this draft thinking, okay, yeah, maybe in round seven, he's going to be there. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of like that stack of luck and Hilton. No. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I just, uh, T T Y has been a guy that for me, just, I've I've been struggling about where to, where to put, you know, before AJ green got hurt too, like T Y Hilton, AJ green, Amari Cooper, you know, those, those three guys, I've just, I've had a ton of trouble as far as kind of where, where I slot them because with T.Y. Hilton, they're just they're certain, you know, he definitely has a little bit of a higher bust rate than than some of these others. But, you know, if you just look at the boom rate, I mean, if you want to just look at the at the times he goes boom and, you know, he gets to play the Texans twice every year. And that guy is just a Texans killer. You know, if, yeah. if he's playing the Texans, load him up in DFS every time, no, no, no matter what he costs. Um, well, cool. So, the, yeah, great, great start to that draft there. And then you mentioned how Derrick Henry fell. People seem to be a little bit. Well, people are all over the map about Derrick Henry. People are all over the map about Aaron Jones. They're all over the map about Marlon Mack. All these guys that are sort of falling there to, you know, if you are picking at the turn, it's usually, you know, optimally the way that I see it, you can go with a Michael Thomas and an Odell Beckham or a Julio Jones and a, you know, a um, a Juju or, you know, God forbid, a DeAndre Hopkins or a Devontae Adams falls and you can get one of those guys with one of those aforementioned wide receivers. And then it seems like in at least 12 team leagues, I've seen this, I've seen this get screwed up in 14 team leagues, but in 12 team leagues, it's like a given, it's a lock. You're going to be able to get two of Henry, Jacobs, um, uh, who else did I mean? Carry on Aaron Jones, um, Marlon Mack, Devontae Freeman, is there anybody in that sort of t- – for one, what would you think about a team that you started out with, OBJ, Michael Thomas, and you could get two of those guys as your starting two runners? Are you comfortable with that sort of b- initial build? And then out of those guys, is there one that you might like a lot more than the rest and then one that you are much more worried about than the rest? And I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll list them again so you know ex- exactly the year I'm talking about. So the Devontae Freemans, the Marlon Max. The Derrick Henrys, the Josh Jacobs, the Aaron Joneses, and the Carry On Johnsons. 
Yeah, I've actually been in the situation several times where I've been picking nine or 10, like in Scott Fishbowl, for example. Scott Fishbowl is just a, that's a terrible example because it, it, the strategies are weird so with the in that super flex <laughs> and the weighted, yeah, for tight ends. But I've been in others where I've been, you know, typically drafting nine or 10. And I'll go wide receiver, wide receiver. I'll go Devonte Adams and then come back around and maybe take a Michael Thomas or Julio Jones if he falls or an OBJ consistently, uh, knowing that round three is a fantasy gold mine for the mm-hmm. running back position. It is glorious. Uh, you know, uh, most of the guys that you listed there, I really adore this year. I, you know, carry on Johnson, no theoretic uh, because he's killing Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay's value right. now in Denver. <laughs> uh, but you know, this is going to be, they hope a run first team and the defensive lines much improved, especially now having Mike Daniels and the revenge game narrative twice a year against green Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, carry on's got a great three down skill set. Um, I'm pretty high on him. Uh, Derek Henry, I've, I've skyrocketed. Uh, I've jumped him, even though he's been dealing with this calf injury from like wide receiver 19, my ranks first or running back 19, my uh, ranks first came out in may and I've got him now at RB 13. Um, I just love the environment. You know, it's got to, even with, uh, Lawan, you know, suspended for a few games, they, they have a lot of depth on the offensive line. This is going to be a top 10 unit. And I understand he may see some stack fronts with, uh, Marcus Mariota, but if Mariota could take a step forward under Arthur Smith, um, and you know, Arthur Smith saying, we're going to run the offense through Derrick Henry. I don't think he's bluffing. Uh, I mean, Henry was number one in yards after contact per attempt, elusive rating, number two yeah. in yards created per carry. He was one of the elites in missed tackle percentage last year. They're going to run was, that and horse. He, and, he, and he faced the second most stacked boxes of anybody behind LeGarrette Blount. He, he, he did all that facing stacked boxes. Exactly. Uh, he's a monster because that offensive line's that good. So they're going to open up holes. He's got to get the appreciable yards after initial contact, and he's going to get his. So, you know, for me to get him as a flex option, essentially, in a PPR draft, and we didn't catch a whole lot of passes, it's ridiculous because the ceiling is, what, top five? Like we saw last year to finish the season and went, you know, a guy that won you a championship. So I'm confident in him. I'm confident Marlon Mack, who's running behind a top five offensive line in another healthy offensive environment and a guy that looks like he is going to be a battering ram on an offense that's going to live in the red zone for much of the season. And then Aaron Jones, you know, he cuts out all of the, you know, sour patch kids and, and Joel Colas. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, starts eating right. Do they, of, do they still have those? <laughs> I don't uh, know I, if they have those. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, well, you take Mentos and you mix it with soda and things yeah, explode. Man, you know, yeah. that's that's like what Jolt and Sour Patch Kids does to, right. to your frame. Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers teasing him. And, you know, he took it hard and uh, he trimmed himself down. He's in game shape. You worry about Matt LaFleur and his RBBC, and, uh, RBBC tendencies. But, look, Aaron Jones only saw eight or more men in the box 13 and a half percent of the time last year because of Aaron Rodgers. And he's a guy that has appreciable advanced analytics and yards after contact, missed tackle percentage. You look at the eye test, you know, you talked about, you know, me living in PAC 12 country in those late night games. I, for some reason would watch a lot of UTEP games on like CBS college sports when Aaron Jones was in, in mm-hmm. you know, at the collegiate level. And I was just like, man, this cat just jumps off the screen to me. And when the Packers took him, and you know everybody's talking about Jamal Williams, oh Jamal BYU guy, Jamal Williams this, I'm like Jamal Williams ain't nothing. The real guy here is Aaron Jones, and you know you can go back and read all my stuff, and I was like, that's the talent, that's the guy, and I'm glad. Hopefully, fingers and toes crossed, he's got to get his opportunity, 15, 18 touches per game. But again, knowing again, you just you look at Mac, you look at Henry, you look at Jones, and the three commonality. You know, the, uh, across the three, the commonality uh, across all of them is they're in great offensive 
line situations. And I want my running back to be tied to excellent plus top 10 units, knowing they're going to pave the way. There's no way in hell I'd take a Joe Mixon in the second round right now. No way in hell I would touch him. That's interesting because Joe Mixon seems like a guy. And I've been thinking about, man, we need to come off of Joe Mixon a little bit ourselves just because of at every turn that offensive line gets worse and worse and worse. Re- most recently they've lost Clint, Clint Bowling. And yep. it's like, you know, we, 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 we don't get Jonah there. Like we wanted like that was supposed to help, you know, that was supposed to help you like, Oh, all right. All right. Jonah's coming in. He's gonna play right tackle. This, this thing's gonna, this thing's gonna shape up a little bit, but then you lose, you lose bowling and things are getting shifted around now where dude, they're having to look at guys like, you know, I'm down here in Austin where I cover these Texas Longhorns. They have two Texas Longhorns on that on that roster, Trey Hopkins and Kent Perkins. Those guys, I mean, Trey Hopkins more so than – Trey Hopkins maybe should be on some kind of NFL practice squad, maybe. But, I mean, as a critical part of your two-deep that might need to play now, that's absurd. And Kent Perkins doesn't even belong on an NFL practice squad. And it's looking like he's going to be their swing tackle. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's very, crazy. it's very scary, dude. And no AJ green, like John, John Ross is already hurt. How's that offense going to look anyway? Right. Like if they're not going to defend, if they're not gonna have to defend anybody else, Ty, Tyler Eifert's going to break his ankle on the first snap of the, of the season. You know, it's like all, all it is is Tyler, all it is is Tyler Boyd I'm, uh, and, and Andy Dalton <laughs> who sucks. It's like, well, like I, as I'm as I'm talking my, as I'm talking to myself about it, I don't think there's any way that I any way I should, I should take Joe Mixon over, say Dalvin Cook. No, I just I I don't want my you know RB one uh, immersed in a situation where all these question marks exist. And and you look at Joe Mixon, he only saw a stack front sixteen percent of the time last year, which is really low. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you look at the schedule to open the season because uh, I don't think AJ Green's going to see the field at all in September. Uh, we'll be lucky to get him back by you know mid October, in my estimation. But it is it's a daunting. September slate for the Cincinnati Bengals. They're at Seattle, home against San Francisco, at Buffalo, at Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah. Joe Mixon's metrics. I mean, you look at the advanced metrics, terrible. Uh, the coaching staff is saying that, well, we want to get Gio, but our 10 to 12 touches. Uh, and maybe Gio's going to have to, like, I don't know, man the slot alongside Tyler Boyd in some Jesus. capacity. Maybe they're going to have to move Boyd outside. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, it is dire straits right now in the queen city and people are out there. Well, it's just volume. Got to follow the volume. But uh, unless Joe Mixon is hyper efficient, I don't see how he's going to return on investment. I think he's going to be one of the bigger disappointments to begin the fantasy season until AJ green comes back and can balance out this offense. Got one more for you. It's the big question. It's the one that all the cool kids want to know It's what everybody's talking about. Kyler Murray. Are you in or are you out? I got him at QB five. I'm way in. I'm up to my eyeballs. <laughs> it's here's the thing. Look, I, I should digress on this because I, I think the people that fear the unknown are the ones that lose their fantasy leagues. They're like, yeah. oh, this guy's never thrown a, a pass a, at the pro level ever. You know, it's just it, like last year. Oh, uh, Saquon Barkley's never had a carry. How could you invest around one pick? Well, look at what he did last year. <laughs> yes. Talent is talent. And because it's a scheme that he knows forwards and backwards, right? And he has got excellent surrounding talent around him. You know, Keyshawn Johnson may be one of the steals of the draft, true diamond in the rough. That's really, you know, rising the surface right now. He's, you know, on track to be a starter in three wide receiver sets for Arizona to go along with Christian Kirk. 
who him. I'm a big fan of. Larry Fitzgerald still got gas left in the tank, right? Uh, David Johnson is a monster. You know, he's all had these aspirations of a thousand, a thousand and joining the club alongside Marshall Falk and, and Roger Craig. And I think that's doable, but people, all they talk about is the damn offensive line and what they don't understand when somebody says in an argument, Kyler Murray is going to die because of this offensive line by week three, they don't understand how the air raid system operates. Right. Because what does the air raid do? It creates spacing. It is predicated on quick, efficient throws. It's not like splits for your offensive line. Getting those guys way out. It's a long way. Creates those legs. Exactly. It creates those lanes, too. And when you got precise route runners and Kirk and Fitz and David Johnson, and it sounds like Keyshawn Johnson has that attribute in his game. Andy Isabella as well. Maybe Hakeem Butler down the road. It's going to be one, two, throw, one, two, throw, one, two, throw. And you know what? If somebody squirts through the line, Kyler Murray's got jackrabbit wheels. So, you know, and he's a guy that played baseball. There was another guy that played baseball who's been great at body preservation. His name, you might've heard of him, Russell Wilson. So, you know, it is all falling into place and the defense is going to be a nightmare and a very negative sense for Arizona shootouts galore. I, I mean, just it's the perfect storm. It's the what they call haboobs. It's a giant dust storm, but in a great, glorious way. <laughs> <laughs>